Hope and welcome to our Living With podcast, where we will be addressing many topics of concern surrounding a cancer diagnosis. Along with up-to-date information and expert input, we hope to open the conversation around living with cancer. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us. The physical implications of cancer are widely recognised. However, people with cancer, and indeed those around them, face another less obvious burden, and that is the financial impact of a cancer diagnosis. Previous Macmillan research has shown that four out of five people with a cancer diagnosis are on average £570 a month worse off. Today I'll be talking to Lisa, who is our Macmillan CAB advisor here at the Fountain Centre, and she'll be telling us about some of the help and support that is out there for cancer patients that they may not be aware of. So hello Lisa, welcome, thank you for joining us. Hello. Uh, Lisa, first of all, can you tell us about who you are and what you do? Well, I'm a welfare benefits caseworker and I work here at the Fountain Centre um, on a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, I work as, as a partnership between Citizens Advice and the Fountain Centre um, and I'm here to offer welfare benefits advice to, to patients and their families. Marvellous. It's a very much needed service it is as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's not always the first thing on people's minds when they get a cancer diagnosis or they're going through treatment. But having said that, you know, we recognise that and we're just here for you when you do need to speak to us. And what kind of help do you offer, Lisa? Now, quite often we get families coming in. And what kind of sort of support can you offer? It depends on the circumstances. It really does. And so many people, when they first think about welfare benefits, think, oh, well, that's not for me. I earn too much or I've got too many savings or I own my own house. But that's not necessarily the case. There are, there are two types of benefits. There's means-tested benefits and there's non-means-tested. So it may well be that for means-tested benefits, um, you may earn too much. Um, means-tested benefits are based on um, household income and also on whether you've got any savings. But there are non-means-tested benefits as well. Say, for example, something like um, employment and support allowance or personal independence payment. Those things don't nece- aren't necessarily based on um, your, your well, they're not based on your level of income. So it, it, it definitely is worth checking. Because we get a lot of patients that come in and they say they just I think they assume because they 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 work or they have worked or and you know they have and they have savings and they have a, a mortgage that, that they wouldn't be eligible for anything. But actually, that's not the case. You're saying that's not necessarily yeah. the case. Okay. No, there's I, I mean my ethos is that we can normally help people in some way. Um, there are sometimes there's, there's very little that can be done at that stage but what I like to offer is reassurance that in the future should people need our service um, they know more about what they can get and how they can get it and so sometimes I'm just providing that reassurance yeah and of course circumstances change they do so change. that's why it's they important that they know that when they do yeah that that's where you are and what about family members, Lisa? Can you offer support for them as well? So we can very much so. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the support is here not just for the patient, but also family members. We understand that the whole household is is impact, impacted by 
the diagnosis or the ongoing treatment. And so it's very important that family members realise that they can come and talk to us about finances. And it, sometimes it's the case that the patient's going through enough. They don't want to be talking about their finances. It's the furthest thing from their mind. But it is worrying the family immensely. And so um, with the patient's permission, I can speak to another family member. So it's not something that they have to deal with directly. What we have a lot of patients who some of them continue to work during their treatment because they, you know, they, they think, well, if I stop working, I don't get paid. And if I don't get paid, you know, I can't live. What, what, what is the, if people work and they can't, then they can't work due to their illness? Are there things in place for that? Well, if people are working um, when they get the diagnosis or they start treatment, they should, uh, uh, to start off with, get some statutory sick pay. Now, there are different types of sick pay. Often an employer, if you're employed, will pay you some occupational sick pay. And normally the terms of that are in your contract. That's not a legal requirement, um, but a lot of companies do pay it. Then there is something called statutory sick pay, which probably most people have heard of. Um, and that's a weekly amount that's paid to people for 28 weeks. So in order to get that, you'd have to be employed. Um, but you could get that. For example, you get your occupational sick pay first of all, and then your statutory sick pay will kick in after a certain number of weeks. And that's paid for 28 weeks. Some companies pay both at the same time, but I can go that through that with patients to see exactly where they're up to, how much sick pay they've had, how much they've got coming to them. And then we can talk about what happens after sick pay ends, because many people think that after sick pay ends, then that's it. And that's really not the case. They can go on to something called employment and support allowance. And the important thing to remember for that is that if you're having treatment, for example, chemo or radiotherapy, you will then be put into a support group. So it's not like you have to go out and find a job during that time. You're in a special category group and you will get an extra financial benefit for being in that group. So that's really worth knowing. And if you're self-employed, Lisa, what are, are there different rules around that? Self-employment, and there's a lot of that about, um, you know, it's a very common query, is slightly more complicated in that you don't get statutory sick pay if you're self-employed. And so many people again think, oh, well, I can't get anything. And that isn't the case. That's where employment and support allowance can kick in earlier. And so you could be entitled to that um, as soon as you stop working. There are some conditions to that it does depend on your national insurance contributions for the last two tax years but without getting into too much, much detail I can talk you through it I can help you apply um, please you know if that if, if that's your situation do come and talk to us um, the same situation that if you work for your own limited company or if you're work through an umbrella company, we, we deal with all of those scenarios. Like obviously when you know diagnosis of cancer, you've got so much going on, so many pieces of paper, appointments, so actually you will just sit with, with, with Absolutely. our patients and just yeah. lead them through, talk them through everything yes. and basically hold their hand. Yeah. Um, my, the, the way that I work and that the team works is that we will um, empower you to do what you can for yourself if you feel like doing that. If you don't feel like doing that, if it's just too much or you need some help another way, then we're happy to do whatever we need to do to help you. Okay. So we're, we're happy to fill in the forms, to make the telephone calls, whatever it takes. Sometimes um, I think just even being pointed in the right direction. Yes, yeah. Just because if, if you're in, the, in this 
sort of array, this this model of everything is just Absolutely. coming in upon you. So that just for somebody to say, look, go that way. The benefit system is complicated and yeah. it is always changing. Yeah. And so I think some people do shy away from it, think, no, no, no. But actually, if we just take it a step at a time, work out your current situation and how welfare benefits can help you or any other assistance that's available. We get a lot of patients come in that are of retirement age and I think a lot of, again, assumptions later, yes. <laughs> they get they assume perhaps that because they're retirement age that they wouldn't be um, entitled to, to anything benefits-wise. What, what, what is the case with that? At retirement age, um, things do change for welfare benefits. That's like a big change area. So at the moment, retirement age for men and women is 66 at the moment, going up to 67 in 2028. Um, with, again, when you're retired, it depends. There are means-tested benefits and there are non-means-tested benefits. For example, some, some of the means-tested benefits are things like housing benefit and pension credit. Some of the non-means-tested benefits people may have heard of things like attendance allowance um, and also there may be someone within the family who can claim carers allowance on on your behalf okay so that's there's, there are options for people here with definitely yes there are yes. definitely options yes oh. and with regards to obviously the, at the moment lisa there's the massive in the news is the energy crisis things that are going on with that now we're, we're sitting here as we record this the sun is splitting the trees yes. <laughs> But you know, winter winter will be here upon us soon. Uh, what are the other any help that can be offered from a welfare benefits point of view for that? Well, uh, energy prices, of course, are on everybody's mind at the moment. Even though we are in the middle of a heat wave, but um, everyone's mind is moving towards the autumn and how things will be. And the government has put some additional support in place. Um, these the council tax um, rebate which if you're in council tax bands A to D, then you should have got £150 back. There's also the government's introduced the Energy Bills Support Scheme, which will mean that every household will be getting £400 um, off their energy bill. That's going to go directly to the energy supplier. And that should start from October onwards this year. So as I say, those payments, I think they're making more than one payment, um, but that's something that's going to help. The other thing that... People, um, if they're of pension age, can tap into is obviously the winter fuel payment. And if you're getting that winter fuel payment, um, you will also get an a, an extra payment um, this this year of three hundred pounds. And so that um, payment will be made in, in 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 two amounts in November and December, I think it is. Okay, so, and that so, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the, the okay. cut off for that is. Um, so each year, it's, it's retirement age, and they, they, they take a date in September, I think it's the 26th of September, where um, if you are born on or before, um, this year it will be 1956, um, if, on, on that date, then you'll be eligible for the Winterfield payment. So, okay, and so, so that people don't, that will just come yeah. if, you're, if you obviously yeah. meet the criteria, you don't have to do anything. Absolutely. Okay. But equally, if people are struggling with their energy um, bills, Something that we can do is we can talk to your energy supplier. Um, there are grants available for people that are, are, are really struggling. And you know, just to mention one of those grants is a Macmillan grant. A Macmillan grant can be, um, can be applied for for as sort of extra energy costs. Okay, let's talk about Macmillan grants, actually, because I think it's something that not a lot of people realise. 
So Macmillan offer these grants uh, for, for people who are going through a cancer diagnosis. What kinds of things can those grants help with, Lisa? Is there a criteria? There is, yes. And so I'm a Macmillan professional, which means that I can tap into the applying to those grants for you. So I can do the application for you. Um, they tend to be one-off grants. They are means tested, but the criteria is slightly different to benefits. So I would say, um, you know, we can we can talk about it and I can talk you through the criteria to see if it will apply, apply for you. But um, things like fuel, um, minor adaptations to the home, um, travel to hospital, those kind of things. What about like if the washing machine broke or something like that? Would we that could we could put in an application for, for something like that. There are other grants available as well, other charities, and we have... Um, lists and contacts with those grant providers so for something like a, a household appliance it could be possible that we could tap into either Macmillan or another provider okay so another grant a lot, provider a lot of same posted yes yes, yes. Well. and we're happy to help you with those applications because there are different pots of money available um, for different things and um, we can help you just no find, find those pots no of money. No one would yeah. them, isn't it, Lisa? Yeah, yeah. But with, with Macmillan, they, 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 are, they are very generous and um, it just gives people a boost, um, when, particularly if benefits may be coming. There are certain benefits that aren't payable straight away but are, they'll be eligible for later on. And so it's just a little cash boost that can really help help people in the early a, days. Makes such a difference. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's some people, obviously, when they're starting off, they maybe have a bit of debt Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa, what would is there things that can, can we can you help people with debt? Can you offer advice? What kind of advice would can you offer for people like that? I don't currently offer debt advice, but that's not to say that they can't get it as citizens' advice. Um, so, if people come to me with debt queries, I will signpost them on. It's not always the thing that people first think about when they've got a cancer diagnosis or they're going through treatment. But obviously it can't be ignored and we don't want people to ignore it. Um, but we do have specialist debt advisors at Citizens Advice. And the same with any queries with regards to things like pensions. Um, if someone's got some questions about pensions, again, I can put them in touch with organisations who specialise in answering questions from, from, from people in their situation. So. What I'd say is that, you know, just ask. I'm sure we can find someone to signpost you to if I can't provide you with the information myself. That's one of the, actually, you said about pensions. We get, because some people, they have to take early retirement and stuff, and so they have this lump sum of money, and they want to know, we get that a lot, actually. Patients have come in and asked us, well, how do you know, where can I go to? And we actually do have always referred them to the CAB. Yes. So yeah. that's good. To, we've done the right yeah. thing there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy for any queries um, with regards to um, finances like that. That's not, as I say, you know, I specialise in welfare benefits, but that, that there's always going to be someone who can, can help you. Citizens Advice Bureaus are kind of dotted all over the place. You're here in the Fountain Centre. Can you offer advice to any any cancer patient, regardless of where they live, from your? We can, from the Fountain Centre here. If anyone is a patient of the cancers of the Fountain Centre, um, I can offer them welfare benefits advice. 
If people are, um, we have a Macmillan team also at, at Guildford who can offer advice and we work very closely, closely with them. So it is very much a joined up team. Um, people will get the help and hopefully they'll get the help um, quite quickly. We have a short waiting list, but it's only short. Uh, we, will, we tend to be able to get to talk to people within a couple of weeks. So, okay. um, so I would urge people to get in contact. And just finally, Lisa, what sort of would you say to anyone who's worrying about sort of about finance and world welfare benefits? Because I think people they, there's a stigma, isn't there? Sometimes if if, if welfare benefits and they they kind of feel like they find it hard to ask for that kind of of financial help. What would you say to people that are struggling and maybe are finding it really difficult to ask for help? I would urge them to just get in contact. Um, we can quickly do a few checks. I would forget about, try and forget about the kind of welfare benefits label and what that may or may not mean. The way that benefits have developed and the system has developed is that um, it is something that people need to apply for. It's not, the pots of money are there, it's just they don't readily hand them out. And that's why my role exists, because you need to know what to tap into and, and how. And so I would encourage people to get in contact. We can do some quick checks to see what they may or may not be entitled to. Everything that, um, the, that the patients tell me is confidential. Don't share anything. But even within the Fountain Centre, you know, once you move over to talk about finances, that's all that's all private. And so, um, I it, it's my job to help you navigate your way through the the welfare benefit system and to also tailor the advice to your particular circumstances um, and I you know we're very aware that no one's chosen the journey that they're absolutely, on absolutely yes and mm. it's my job to at least from a financial point of view to try and make that journey as easy as possible there is a real need there Maria, mm. and absolutely and and coming from different angles as well Sort of every everybody's situation is different, and also people um, want to speak to me at different stages in their journey, and I'm here. It doesn't matter whether you've just been diagnosed or you've been having treatment for six months. It it just it, it doesn't matter. It, it, I'm here for when it's the right time for you. And what about patients that are in the ward, Lisa, in oncology? So obviously patients get admitted. And that they might, might have just got admitted because they've just had their diagnosis. Would would that be something? You, would you go see them in the ward? Can you speak Absolutely. to them on the ward? I can speak to them on the ward. I quite often do. Quite often uh, nowadays, it doesn't actually even involve me frequently going up to the ward. People they have their iPads with them, they have their phones with them, and it's really nice that they can access support and help from their bedside. Um, and quite often, you know, I, I, I say to people, like, you know, I can do that for you, but they're happy to actually do it themselves and to look up the information and to go onto the government gateway and that kind of thing because it's giving them some control back over a situation where they have very little control. They're in a hospital bed having treatment and um, this allows them to, to, to take a little bit of control. And with regards to information, uh, you mentioned the CAB website and the Macmillan website. Is there anywhere else that patients can maybe, if they want to, maybe look up themselves? Because obviously, you know, it's not everybody. 
some people want to be very independent and we have to allow for those people. Is there anywhere else people can, you can point people towards that they can look up to see what they might be? I would say to always go to the government websites. Government, There's some yeah. really good government websites um, and I would start there or at Citizens Advice. Um, who take a lot, a lot of the information comes from the government websites or they'll signpost you to them. Um, and if there's anything that, 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 that people don't understand, then I'm happy to, 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 to explain it to them. Sometimes some of the forms that you need to fill in are really quite lengthy. You can do that online, um, but um, there are there are ways, skills of filling in some of those forms. So if, if anyone needs any pointers, then I'm happy to do that. I really am happy to take the lead from the patient, help as much as they need or as little as they need. Just please ask for help. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. Thank um, you. Obviously, if you want to know more about what Lisa does here at the centre, uh, please do get in touch, register through our website. I'll put some links to the websites that Lisa has mentioned in the body of this podcast. Uh, so please do check those out as well. Uh, that's us for now, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.